0: Hello, this is Yarrow Starak, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Kate McKibben. Hi there, this is Yarrow Starak. We're about to dive into a fantastic story of Kate McKibben who is a blogger from Australia and today runs two six-figure blogs. So she makes over 100000 a year with both blogs. You'll hear the story about how they were started, how she got traffic, and how she makes money. Just before we dive into that story, I'd like to invite you to sign up for my new email newsletter for my podcast. So if you want to get my latest podcast sent to you via email, as well as a series of my best podcasts, from my archives, then you can join this brand new email list. You can sign up by going to interviewsclub.com. That will redirect you to the sign-up form on my blog, Entrepreneur's Journey, and then you'll start getting my podcast whenever new ones are released. Once again, that's interviewsclub.com. You'll get my new interviews and a series of my best interviews from my archives. But for now, let's dive into the story with Kate McKibben. Here we go. Hello, this is Yaro Starak and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey podcast interview. Today with a very successful blogger from down in Australia who I met at one of Darren Rouse's pro blogger live conferences a big one there was 500 plus people and my guest today was with me as part of a little five person sort of like wasn't really a panel it was more like we all got to do short talks 10 minute talks each it was actually called a keynote I think wasn't it Um, Kate? Kate McKibben is my guest so hello Kate. Hi
1: (laughs) yes it was a five person keynote which is um, my preferred way of doing it.
0: Yeah, a little strange that we all got 10 minutes to talk, but it worked out well. So um, Kate was invited on stage because she has a very successful fashion blog called Drop Dead Gorgeous, and she has another blog called – I'm going to – all these long names we were talking about before the (laughs) show that Kate loves uh, long names for her blogs. The other one is Secret Blogging Business. So she's the owner of two six-figure blogs, and she's had some pretty – incredible success i think in terms of the the speed of getting to six figures as well so we definitely have to dive into how you've taken these blogs from nothing to the kind of money they they're making now but uh kate as always i love to go back in time and sort of find out what led up to you becoming a blogger and even before that was there anything entrepreneurial so can we go back uh during even you know High school, primary school in Australia, there's not so many lemonade stands, but did you have the, (laughs) I don't know, I I used to buy and sell, uh, collect cards and things like that and even toys in the trading post, if you remember the trading post uh, newspaper. Did you have anything in your childhood as well?
1: Uh, Childhood, not so much entrepreneurial-wise, but I was always attracted to just the media industry. Um, So I, you know, I suppose it is entrepreneurial. I wasn't trying to make money out of it, but I, you know, I used to create my own magazines and things like that as a kid. And as a, you know, that was um, my dad actually has his own business. So, growing up, I always had this thing in the back of my head that yeah, I'll have my own business one day. I've just got to figure out what that what that is um what kind of magazines
0: were they like fashion was it really
1: uh, yeah it was always sort of fashiony stuff Ah. um I'm quite the girly girl so you know the it was makeup tips and you know how to not I was I was also a country girl so my fashion tips weren't particularly cutting edge but um you know I just I like to write and I like images and you know I was a bit creative so that was how I kind of got that out but um
0: where were you I think when you say country girl were you country
1: yeah, Country of Victoria, so out in Gippsland, out amongst the the cows and the
0: grass, and okay. not much else. And so, not a lot of my, internet back then either. I'm assuming.
1: Uh, no, although I was actually one of the first um, people in our area to have internet because that's my dad's business. He's an internet service provider. So um, it, it, yeah, I think he started with bulletin boards and then things like that. So yeah, I was I I built my first website uh, when I was about thirteen. Um, it was terrible. It was built in Publisher because um, back then you could just make a pretty page in Publisher and hit Publish and it was on the internet. Um, and it was a fan site for Nirvana. <laughs> that was my first ever.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs>
1: my first ever website. No, yeah. I
0: don't want to um, date you too much here, but when what was the era? Are we talking 90s, mid-90s when you made a Nirvana website?
1: Uh, it must have been l- – yeah, mid-90s.
0: Mid-90s. Okay, so, so you're real yeah. early adopter. That's, that's, despite being in country Australia, you were an early adopter of the internet and built a website. I'm surprised you did Nirvana. You didn't do a fashion website as your first one. But um, <laughs> did, did like, so I'm assuming Nirvana didn't become your, your first successful business as a website. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you take us forward then from the 13-year-old girl? Did you, you know, go to obviously high school and then enroll in a university degree or did you have a, a not so traditional path?
1: Uh, I was very traditional, actually. Um, so, yeah, finished high school. Um, again, I was sort of one of those people who had sort of a vague idea of the type of, I suppose, work I wanted to be doing but not really anything specific that I wanted to be doing. So I did a very broad degree and um, after that degree was finished, I went and travelled for a bit and I worked in London in advertising, which was quite soul-destroying. I checked that one off the list as something I definitely didn't want to be doing um, and then I started slowly kind of coming back towards publishing again. So around, you know, I wanted to do something a bit more creative. I wanted to write, um, I still had this sort of, you know, passion for fashion as people like to say. Um, and you know, I started, um, actually on a whim, I came up with this idea for a featured, um, for, sorry, what are they called? I'm thinking in blog terms now, but in magazine terms, they're called it like a feature article. Uh, and I pitched it around, like, you know, I'd never written an article in my life. Um, but I pitched the idea around to all the editors, I like, could get my hands on their contact details. And it got picked up by Cosmo in the UK. Um, so the very first thing I ever wrote got published in Cosmopolitan. And I'm like, okay, that was really fun. I want to do that. That's like, I like that kind okay. of thought. So like, again, totally. like the entrepreneurs, so this is probably about 20 21, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I, it, it took me a little while to be kind of entrepreneurial. I just think I started thinking, I just want to, my thought behind it was, I want to do something I enjoy, mm. basically. You
0: sound a lot like me in the sense that I was, I saw myself as entrepreneurial because I wanted to not have a job, but I was actually probably more interested in publishing. And I don't know if sometimes those lines, aren't as close as people think they are because, you know, running a magazine is, is certainly entrepreneurial, but running a website doesn't become entrepreneurial until it turns into a business. You could be publishing content and enjoying your favorite subject because that's what I used to do. I love to read video game magazines and then card game magazines. I love this medium. And then yes. when I went online, it made sense to have a website because it's like a magazine, right? But then you don't really – see it as a business until you start thinking about, well, maybe I can make money from this. So were you thinking as a, you know, you've written your first article for Cosmo, at that point you're thinking, well, maybe I can get a job as a journalist, or you're actually thinking maybe I could become some sort of owner of a publication?
1: Well, at at that time, I was still thinking journalist, but it was weird because what I actually did, um so to become a journalist is really, really hard (laughs) it's particularly um I mean it's even worse now because most of the magazines were closed but at that time, you know there's very few actual jobs very few actual publications in Australia anyway like there's a handful of magazines um and so what I decided to do was I wanted to show them that I was you know that I was good and I was proactive and I had a you know I could write so I created another website um which is isn't this one now, this is it's another one, um, which was I, – so I basically did an online magazine to show them that I could work in real magazines. Ah,
0: what was the magazine called? Do you remember?
1: Uh, it was called Denim, but just the abbreviation, it was DNM. And so it was like, you know, deep and meaningful kind of thing. It was oh, a bit gosh, stupid. That's uh, <laughs> that, actually,
0: that's, that's a good domain now. Everyone's into the whole Flickr and Fiverr and Denim would have worked well.
1: Yeah, I know. I was ahead of my time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, again, like I – so it was very sort of rough and ready and I spent all my weekends putting this thing together and it was basically acted like a CV for me. Um, and I did it for a couple of months and then I did get um, – and I within that couple of months I actually got some advertisers approach me, which again, <laughs> <Really>? strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back then there just wasn't much happening on the internet, so not in that space. Um, but, yeah, I ended up getting a job in publishing, um, ended up – Working and publishing, moved up to Sydney, did that for about three years, and then ended up doing their, um, becoming a web editor, so doing their websites for them. Right. And their excellent. website. Appalling.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I wanted to sort of ask you this because there's two skills you're talking about here. You talked about your ability to submit an article and get published, which leads you to want to become a journalist. Then you create your own website, but that turns into a technical role because you built your own website. Now, I'm assuming at that point you weren't using Microsoft Publisher anymore to create a website. You were teaching yourself some new tech skills. Is that right?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was still, I think it was on something called Moonfruit or something like that, which was around before. It was a very, very basic kind of WordPress thing. Um, But again, you know, the University of Google was my friend and I was you know trying to figure out how to turn yeah how to turn things into links and how to embed images and how to create backgrounds and just basic CSS stuff and um, I've always had that you know oh well I can figure this out myself kind of attitude to everything which has helped and hindered me along the way but um, yeah so basically I, I kind of arrived in publishing and was able to do technical stuff and no one else there had any idea about the internet um, they were creating like actual static pages each time so every time they released a new magazine they would get the designer to design up this is just one single page with no links or anything and they just upload that and that was their website each month it was just very yeah times have changed <laughs>
0: <laughs> in, in terms of your interests, obviously, you cared a lot about fashion to want to be involved with these fashion publications. You liked writing and you liked designing websites. There's a lot of unusually unusual crossover here of skills. I don't normally see people who want to be the writer or also want to be the web developer and then also, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like where where, where was your interest in all of this? Like were you sort of just figuring stuff out as you went along? And we haven't even talked about starting your own business yet. So can you take us forward from that point?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think for me I have always been one of those people who has, has had a very wide variety of interests and who gets bored quite easily. Um, and I love the challenge of figuring something out. So uh, that's kind of been how I sort of – it all came about, I guess, and and that's kind of why I still am and probably more hands-on than I need to be now because I, I like taking those challenges. But um, so what, what kind of happened next was um, the – so I was working as a web editor and I was actually quite bored. The um, role – at that time they just didn't get online and I wasn't really doing anything, like there was nowhere to go within that, and also being working in magazines is horrifically badly paid. Um, I think I was on about like 28,000 or something, and this is living in Sydney, so I had to have a second job on the side to be able to afford to live. So I'm like, no, okay, maybe there's a way I can make some little money on the side. Like that was my initial thought. Um and at the time, there were all these newsletters that everyone was subscribed to. I don't know if you probably might not have come across them because they're very female-based, but there was um, one called Daily Candy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and Mishy Girl was, in a stri- it was a Melbourne-based one. And the weird thing is, is everyone in Sydney was subscribed to them and the Daily Candy one was featuring these cool things that you could buy in America. Hmm. And the Mishy Girl one was featuring these cool things you could buy in Melbourne. But everyone in Sydney was subscribed to them and I'm like, okay, this makes no sense. Um I surely I can do something similar, uh, but featuring only things that you can buy online so that no matter where you are, if you receive this, you can click and buy it. Mm-hmm. Like I so said, that was my kind of initial idea. So it actually started my blog, started out as a newsletter. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, I got my boss's, you know, uh, blessing at the time and went and kind of just started doing that. And um it then I got it, it, it took off really quickly because I think it was one of those things that on, I was just quite well timed. Online shopping was very new. Um, people didn't quite trust it yet. And people also, most online stores didn't deliver to Australia yet. So, I was able to sort of offer a bit of value and a service by saying, you know, oh, did you know Topshop now, shop. did you know that you can, um, you know, buy this brand from this store, but it's because of you know, everything's cheaper in America, you can actually get it for half price what you'd buy it in Australia and stuff like that. So um, that was the start of the drop, what is now Drop Dead Gorgeous
0: Daily. <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to clarify. So you're still working as a sort of web publisher person for a magazine as well as obviously some yeah. other side jobs to survive in Sydney. And then you started – What essentially was a day, like if I think about it, it's a daily deals email with some editorial content as well. You're talking about what's kind of cool in fashion, like daily candy, like there was a bunch of other ones, like you said at the time, but you were focusing on local, like were you kind of promoting it within Sydney only, even though you were selling things online. And just to clarify the selling part too, did you, like was that an affiliate relationship you had with the, like in terms of you making money from this?
1: Um, originally i was going based very much off how the magazines worked um and i knew because i put together the newsletters for the magazines that they sold banners on their newsletters for at the time like ginormous amounts of money um and that was how i started and then i started doing affiliate links as well once i sort of you know realized that that even existed (laughs) um so every day i'd feature a different item and usually have an affiliate link attached to it um and it wasn't just sydney but i was um The focus was definitely Australia, so but it was everything I featured had to ship worldwide just so that if, you know, someone else subscribed, it was still going to be relevant to them. But, like, editorial-wise, so, you know, I'd be saying, oh, it's cold, it's winter, here's some jackets. Mm. So, obviously, that was – it had to be in the same hemisphere.
0: (laughs) Of course. So – just to clarify the technical aspect too, because that's always interesting for people. And and to put this into context: Are you like twenty five ish years old, living in Sydney? You've obviously got tech skills. So, do you just go and register for something like a Weber to start this newsletter? Was that how it began? As simple as that? And then yeah,
1: yeah. Um, eye contact was eye the one contact? I started with. Um, and I again, I was using good old Moonfruit. That was my <laughs> 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 that was my web design. Um, of choice, but I just had a, a landing page with a sign-up form on it, um, which was hosted on daily.com And yeah, people signed up and then they were would, would get the email newsletters. And I would get into work an hour early every day and put them together. Um that was not very organized. Um and that was it. That was yeah, that was the and start of my business.
0: <laughs> how did it grow? Like is it just word of mouth?
1: um word of mouth a little bit uh, luckily for me um you know nepotism is alive and well and I got um because it was something new and exciting and I happened to work in magazines I got quite a few mentions in some of the magazines to start off with um so my email list um grew pretty quickly um I also I uh, got had someone um contact me about they were doing it was kind of like i don't even know if you're allowed to do this anymore but at the time it worked well um there's about six different people got together and each promoted each provided a prize of a certain value and then also provided some budget to be used for promotion and for people if they wanted to and it was this one big competition and if people uh to enter the competition they had to opt into at least one person's email list mm-hmm. So and then is this got like the people? Uh, they got me in at the end, and people were putting in massive budgets. And I was like, "Oh, I've got like a hundred bucks. Like I can't, do, like I'll do it, sure. But you know, I can't be putting in thousands of dollars." Um, And they're like, "Oh no, no, that's fine." And so I, I think I got about ten thousand people subscribed to my email list wow. in a week, wow. which was amazing. Um, Yeah, so that was you know like a pretty good kickstart
0: to how, how did that work? Any
1: online business? Did
0: you did you get? Like I don't understand. So it's a competition, and do you yeah. get access to all the subscribers in the competition, not just the people you get, but also everyone else who was running yeah. the competition?
1: So what they had a page. The page was set up, and below the um, so the normal kind of you know twenty five words or less, blah blah blah, kind of mechanism, and then right at the bottom of that there was um, opt in. Bo- There's check boxes for all the all the brands that were in it, right. um, and they had to check at least one. Gotcha. to be eligible and, to enter and, and if they checked your it? box um well that seemed like we all kind of promoted it around to our own list and then it wouldn't have been facebook ads i don't think i don't even know no, if there were clearly. facebook ads back then but yeah. so, some kind of online paid advertising maybe it was maybe it was AdSense or something um was what the sort of the budget went to
0: got it okay so basically a lot of people who signed up would have ticked all the boxes so you got included with all the sign ups or a lot of them no matter yeah. who was marketing it you were getting 10,000 people at the end of the day which is that's fantastic so yeah i
1: mean th- they weren't the most strongest leads in the world and i think probably of those of about like maybe 4,000 were actually stuck around mm-hmm. but it was it was still a good little A good little boost at the start.
0: (laughs) So take us forward from that point and, you know, we'd love to hear the point when you were able to quit your job. I'm assuming that's coming up at some point, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I actually – so this is all, um, yeah, within the first couple of months and by – I think I had nearly 20,000 people on my list by the end of the first year. Um, But basically there's it's kind of one of those things when you know, like all the stars kind of aligned and I had um, my boss who I loved – left and I got a new boss who I did not love quite so much. Um, I was quite bored in the role that I was in. I was, you know, seeing this momentum in what I was doing and that it was, you know, it was starting to work and I'd had advertisers approach me and it was already making little bits of money, like maybe a thousand dollars a month kind of thing. Uh, And then I got offered a one to two day a week um, contract at um, I think it was 90 in actually just helping them create content, uh, which would be enough to, you know, pay all my bills and kind of gave me then the rest of the week to see if this was going to actually be a thing. So I thought I go, I, I will regret it for the rest of my life if I do not kind of, you know, burn the boats, go and actually try this out. And so, yeah, so I, I, I quit, I went, I wasn't completely crazy about it. I went and got a. Like a ten thousand dollar personal loan while I was still employed, um and then pretty much just as like a buffer, and then pretty much the day that arrived in my bank, <laughs> I walked into my boss's office and quit wow. um and yeah it's, I probably would not do that again now,' it's just <laughs> being twenty five and really naive is actually quite a bonus to go and do brave things um but yeah, so then I had like yeah, I basically just locked myself away uh, and you know, tried to learn everything I could learn about online marketing and also about sales because back then I was still using very much the magazine kind of model of, you know, ad sales in return for for coverage and things. So, and I'd never been a salesperson before, so I had to kind of create systems to be able to be a salesperson and to make sure that I was, you know, was making enough money. And within, like, it it was, I was making a full-time income within the first year, it was more than what I was earning in magazines, but that wasn't overly hard. Um, and, then, and then I think for the next probably even two to three years because I was sort of still stuck in that magazine mindset, um, it, you know, it, it grew but, the, but slowly. Mm. And then it was probably about two years ago that I started playing with e-products that it sort of, well, actually not even two years ago, it was about like 18 months ago, I was very... I did it the hard way for a very long time.
0: <laughs> Which is not surprising though given your your niche. Like fashion is not known unless you're selling the fashion yourself or or got a lot of good affiliate relationships. You're you're running ads. That's how you make a living as a fashion publication, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was, you know, it was it was lucrative. Like I was earning um, I had I was earning six figures and I had three girls working for me and, you know, things like that. It just meant that my day-to-day was spent at selling ads and that's not what I wanted to be doing. So that's when I started kind of looking for different um, different ways of doing it.
0: Okay, before we dive into that, I'd just like to sort of bridge the gap between Kate sitting at her, her well, quitting her job and having a two-day-a-week job to keep the bills paid, living off a, a loan of $10,000 <laughs> and sitting there trying to grow drop-dead gorgeous when you through that transition that period of time to now you've got three staff and you're making a hundred thousand plus a year the lot has to happen obviously your audience has to increase you've got to yep. yeah got to have more content so could you not necessarily go through everything that happened but i'd just love to know what what you think did the big changes what had the big impact like were there any aha moments or these sort of inflection points where you made one change and suddenly your traffic grew or suddenly your income grew and you know what, what was the smartest things you did in hindsight
1: yeah sure um so there's a few different spots and obviously like everything's sort of changed again since but um one of the biggest traffic so uh one of the biggest aha moments for me was that I was creating all this content in a newsletter and it didn't live anywhere else on the internet <laughs> so um and that kind of seemed a little bit of a waste so I actually turned it into a blog, um, and went with a, you know, traditional kind of blog format with that. So, and then when I, when I did that, you know, the number of subscribers and things I grew, sorry, I was getting grew quite quickly as well, because people could kind of see what, you know, they could see the value before they were opting into it. Uh, next sort of big growth point was, um, I really started getting into Facebook and this was back. It's like, obviously Facebook is completely different now, but a friend of mine, um, kind of tipped me off on something that she'd heard that if you post at the time it was if you post hourly to Facebook (laughs) your traffic will go through the roof um so
0: (laughs) genius (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and it did um it does not do that anymore but um I think pretty sure Facebook hates you if you post more than about three times a day um but yeah that was um you know again it was sort of trying to um, see what people who were growing quickly were doing um, and trying to sort of figure out how I could model that to work for me. So, obviously, that was one thing and that worked for a period of time and sort of grew up to a Facebook page to about 25,000 um, within about was it like six months or something. Um, and I was getting lots and lots of traffic from there. And then I sort of someone, you know, I started looking at SEO stuff and building that in. So, it was quite a you know, like a piece by piece kind of growth thing as as I sort of like picked, okay, I need to figure out how to do this thing now. I'll focus all my attention and energy on that All right, I've kind of got that one working.
0: Were you still a one-woman show at that stage?
1: Uh, No, I had my first person. So a girl came, um, she approached me actually. She needed to do an internship for her university. They required that she did six months working one day a week for free um, and she wanted to work in publishing and I was in Melbourne by this point um, and there wasn't really a whole lot happening in Melbourne publishing-wise so she contacted me and came in and that's, um, yeah, discovering, outsourcing <laughs> that other people can do work for you, quite a um, moment in itself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so that, I mean, she, uh, within and uh, won her six months, ended I started paying her to come in two days a week to help me out um because it was just so invaluable. Um, what did she do? Uh, so she helped me with creating the content. So um at so at that point um it was again it was sort of a one of those things that it keeps changing but the more content you created the more traffic you would get also was right. at it's probably about five years ago. So I was trying to go from creating uh one to two posts a day which i was doing myself to uh six to eight posts a day wow
0: real magazine
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so that's yeah that's when that's when a team
0: sort of formed and when you say Um, post you mean like this is fashion you you're not writing long editorial pieces is it more a lot of pictures
1: yeah Short, yeah, it was all short form, um, a lot of galleries and things right. because at this point was now using banner ads and, you know, CPM kind of stuff. So, you wanted as many page impressions as possible. Um yeah, I think I've, sorry, I've completely <laughs> <laughs> of no, I,
0: I, I, I can see you. You basically hired a writer and you, you ramped up your content production to get more paid views yeah. to make more money from advertising, as, as as it worked back then. Which, I mean, still does to a to a degree now. It's just all the numbers have dropped. You don't get paid as much. All that content doesn't bring in as much traffic like it used to. Is that yeah, what you found?
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. Like um, around about this point, I had um, an ad agency. I started working with an agency as well to help with um so I'd have the standard like you know AdSense kind of banners and then the ad agency would sell like the premium spots and you used to be able to get you know $40 a CPM kind of thing back then um and that I think it's more like $2 now for a premium one so it's um yeah the the landscape just continues to change and you have to keep kind of running with it um more more recently the stuff that's the biggest game changer as far as the drop dead good side of things is definitely been pinterest like um yeah figuring out pinterest has quadrupled our traffic pretty much in in like 12 months so (laughs) we'll
0: have have to explain that how how so you you discover pinterest for the first time how do you make it work or how do you make it work
1: um so pinterest um pinterest is one of those ones that seems to be with most of social media how it works now is you have to basically plug at it for about six months with really small growth and then once you kind of like get past that tipping point then it grows really quickly um so with um so with pinterest i think it took us yeah about six months to get our first five thousand followers and then the next six months we got another fifty thousand followers wow. um, and all it is with um i think my best tips for pinterest is you, you have to be posting the best stuff you can find um, and consistently. So, uh, I mean, and and the beautiful thing about Pinterest is it's so easy to find amazing content. You just have to be following really good people and then you kind of edit down your favourites from what they're sharing and obviously your own content from your blogs or sites or whatever as well sort of wrapped within that. And there's now, there weren't tools back then, but there there are tools now like Tailwind and Viraltag that, I now actually sit down at the start of each week and do enough pinning for the entire week and sort of upload it all into Viral Tag and then you just sort of hit shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it distributes it for you um, out through the week. So uh, you don't have to be sitting there going back in and back in. But, um,
0: When you, you say know, distributes it, you mean it just like every day it'll post or repin X number of pins for you? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Drip feeds it out for you and tell actually really cool. it figures out the times of day like it monitors your traffic what's happening with your interactions and things and it recommends to you the best times of day to, to for your pins to and then it kind of creates a schedule for you so it's um, just yeah, to it's clarify great, for piece. the
0: people who are completely clueless with pinterest so okay. you're, you're taking <laughs> photographs from your blog because you're using photography already and you will have to answer where you're actually getting the photography and yeah. then you're also following all these other people who use Pinterest and just taking uh, – we're well not taking, but you're repinning. So basically yeah, hitting yeah. that repin button so it goes under your wall on Pinterest. So you've got all these pretty pictures, I'm assuming mostly of women's fashion, going up yeah. every single day, lots and lots of it. I'd I, I love to know yeah. how many pins. The, uh,
1: about uh, 50 a day, 50 wow, to 100 okay. a day. okay.
0: And every one of those pins – does it link back to your blog as well?
1: Uh, The ones you share from your site do. The rest link to wherever they came from originally. So um, it's, I mean, that's one of the really nice things around um, Pinterest is it's so easy to also be sharing other people's things and everyone is quite, happy to share other people's things as much as they're sharing their own so
0: so funny it's uh, like blogging the early days remember everyone used to share each other's content on blogs like you linked Yeah. so this thing on pinterest is not going to last everyone's going to get all internal they're not going to share each other's stuff it's gonna
1: <laughs> oh i know and then they're going to try and monetize it and destroy it and yeah. then the next thing will come along it That's just seems to be well.
0: <laughs> but I, I am curious with pinterest because Your subscriber growth, okay, so you work hard at it. When you said you worked hard at it, were you actively trying to build relationships to get people to follow you? Like how does the actual following of you happen?
1: Um, Well, now I've kind of come to terms with the fact is that people are going to uh, digest your content how best works for them. So, you know, our email list, and I, did, I actually did a big cull of the email list because our open rates had dropped quite a bit because most of our audience is quite young um, and they just don't seem to like emails as much as they used to. So they would much prefer to, you know, interact with us on Instagram and Pinterest. Right. So um, for me, it's like for right now, it was, you know, and for probably the last sort of year or so, it's figuring out which, which are the best channels for our people, for my target market, um, how do I make those ones work? And then, yeah, sort of playing where the people want to be um, interacted with rather than being so hard driving them back. So for um, Drop Dead Gorgeous Daily, we haven't been pushing email sign-ups as much as we used to, although I'm considering going changing that. Um, but in the early days, I did a lot of, like, like, competitions and things to drive people to sign to opt into the, to my emails so that that was kind of our main um, opt-in focus
0: okay can you just close the loop for me so you i'm looking okay. at your, your <laughs> drop dead gorgeous daily pinterest page which you're just about to hit 150,000 followers which sounds pretty epic now i can see you got pinterest you got instagram you've got your own blog with all this content on it you're repinning you're we're I mean, putting photos and pictures everywhere. It's all pointing, well, some of it's pointing back to your blog as well. Some of them are joining your email list. At some point, there's links to buy things plus you sell your own stuff. Is that kind of how it all works? It's like eventually they're going to get offers from you?
1: Uh, with Drop Two Gorgeous daily, um, this is sort of, like, that's like our next phase. We, so we've, we've been dabbling in uh, very basic e-products. Um, with that kind of fashion market, it's they're not as um, because you, it's, it's not so obvious um the problem that you need to solve, and it's not it such a, like a high pain point kind of you know topic. It's more like light and fluffy, and light and
0: fluffy is so. How have of you like been making money thing. from it then? Just purely uh, advertising?
1: Yeah, it is. It it, it is very much um, still the advertising model. Um, advertising and affiliates is Sorry. our main. Okay,
0: so how does that connect with all the social media? Is it's is just about, because with advertising, usually it's on your blog, same with affiliate marketing, right? So do you have yeah. to keep bringing people back from Pinterest, back from Instagram to your blog to then get the page views in order to charge the money to the advertisers? Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all, every, everything that we're doing at the moment is to drive traffic back to DG, not so much drive sales, but just gotcha. page views actual yeah, um that's right now there's plans for the future to change that yeah, as well
0: I mean, but might, it might be the best way i mean you've got it's a fashion like you said it's not a pain pain point niche it's a uh, rational passion niche um as yep. Evan calls them. <laughs> and, and you've got people who just love and eat this up even your, your 50 pins a day which is crazy um <laughs> But they're not going to buy stuff. They might buy the fashion, but chances are you're not necessarily going to be part of that transaction maybe as an affiliate, right? So,
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I can see why you probably, you know, you you can do good with that. But if you like to get to the next level with magazine style blog, your only path, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to magnify the volume of audience you get which really only comes from magnifying the amount of content you get which means you have to hire a lot of people to produce a lot of content to do a lot of social media is that kind of right yes
1: yeah that's that's it in a nutshell it's a quite a a, a big uh, it becomes a very big beast to be able to grow it to the point where you know it's
0: like something seven um, figures, yeah. Figures,
1: yeah 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 exactly so that that's kind of when I decided to start my second business <laughs>
0: right. I was going to ask you did you want like did you have a vision for drop dead gorgeous daily of that or did you see more of it like where it is now like a good solid small business but you don't want to deal with more staff more of everything
1: uh, I I've had a bit of a, actually a mindset flip on this in probably in the last for about 24 months ago, um, which is, okay, I can, like, I, I can hustle with the best of them. I can, you know, do, do, going in, getting in there and do it, rolling up my sleeves and doing the work has never been my problem. Um, but do I want to do that for the rest of my life? Um, not so much. So my, um, that's kind of when I started looking like, okay, well, the thing is I love this business. I like that it gives me a creative outlet I love the team that I have, um, but I don't want to be an ad salesperson for the rest of my life. Uh, so, what what can I do to kind of make this a bit lighter, a bit more streamlined, and but still allow me to increase my revenue and to be able to, you know, I, I want your lifestyle. I want to be over in San Fran right now. Like, that sounds amazing. <laughs>
0: Well, you and I have something in common, which is your other business. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) You should uh, maybe connect the dots. So when did that come into the picture with the chronology?
1: Uh, So that was February last year, actually. Um, And it was one of those, uh, you know, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have had them where you're just sitting there going, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this. This is so frustrating. Um, There must be a better way kind of things. And um, I'd actually, I, I don't know if you've come across, I'm sure you have, um, Denise Duffield Thomas, um, who does sort of like the money mindset stuff. Um, I'd been chatting to her and she said to me, she goes, no, there's easy. She goes, just repeat to yourself. There are easier ways to make money. And I'm like, no, but they're not like, like you know, it's advertising. Like, that's all, you, know, like you can't, it's just like, no, 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 there are easier ways to make money. And it sort of like sat in the back of my head and, um, then, yeah, it just sort of like Popped into my head because I'd been, um, I had a coffee with a blogging friend who'd been blogging for about seven years and I've always loved the, like the strategy side of things and the sort of the business side of things of blogging, I think even more so maybe than the creative side of things. And, um, she kept taking notes when we were chatting, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Oh, I never thought of that." I'm like, "What do you mean? That's this stuff's pretty like straightforward and basic. I would have thought everyone would have thought of that." And she's like, "No," and I asked a couple of other people about some things, and I sort of realized that over the you know six plus years, nearly seven years, that I've been blogging that I had um, yeah, I would figured a few things out <laughs> that <laughs> particularly around the magazine side of things, and um, you know. Yes, I was finding it um, frustrating because being an ad salesperson is never what I wanted to be, but I had managed to create a successful magazine-style business where a lot of people I knew were just not there yet and had been doing it for a long time as well. So that's kind of where the, I think that was the seed, that was the start of the idea that maybe there's, I mean, there's a lot a lot of different blogging courses out there or for different people, but I, I, my niche, which is, Um, usually women Um, we've got two gay men in there as well (laughs) but the rest of them are women Um, yeah that you know who want to do a magazine style blog because that's their passion project but they would like to make money from it as well how they just didn't seem to be necessarily one resource to step them through how do you do that so that was my plus secret bloggers business came from which is like the yeah the business side of that kind of blogging
0: i i love the fact that this is i'm noticing this because obviously i've been teaching blogging since 2007 with my own materials and pretty much everyone including myself at that point were just teaching how to make money blogging sort of the top level subject but now as all markets do it's it's fragmenting so i've decided to go, I'm focusing on the sales funnel. So it's all about product sales through a funnel with the blog included. You're sort of teaching yeah. more magazine orientated to other, particularly women and gay men. And then yeah. you've, got, <laughs> you've got, I've seen a couple of people who are focusing specifically on uh, cooking blogs, like they run their own cooking blog and they're teaching other people how to do cooking blogs. So it's starting to fragment into specializations and like yourself, you've got the experience from having spent whatever it was, five, six years growing a fashion blog, which is a ton of knowledge and a ton of experience, which translate great into a training program. And my only story I, was, you know, I, had a, I had a magazine website about card game and I had a proofreading business then I had a blog. So it, you know, everyone comes from this background of collecting skills, then they can become teachers. And as I'm sure you're finding out, which I'd love to hear more about now, is starting a teaching business can be quite lucrative. So can you kind of explain how you spun that off? Because it is a bit of a spin-off of Drop Dead Gorgeous in a way, right? Because I'm assuming a number of your yeah. initial customers of the blogging course have come from Drop Dead Gorgeous. Is that right?
1: Yes, yeah. So the f- entire uh first um intake um was from the existing sort of D database. And initially that the thought was that it would sort of sit underneath and be um, you know, just part of Dr. Gorgeous Daily. Like I thought it would that they would, you know, be one of the same. Um but as, as I'm sure you discovered, it's its whole other beast. Um, the on yeah, doing online courses and things and um I've got terrible shiny new object, shiny new project syndrome. Hmm. So I managed to launch three courses in the first year, um, which was an excellent use of my time. Um, But yeah, the, so I I kind of came to a point where I felt like I'd probably exhausted the DDG database and I'm like, okay, well, this has been like much more lucrative than um, advertising and it, less icky as well like I always felt a little bit with some of the advertising that you were kind of prostituting yourself a little bit particularly around sponsored posts and things um which I don't advise people do um but the it so I I kind of came to a point drew a line in the sand and made them two separate things um and now secret bloggers business has its own um so that's you know then I had to start getting serious about growing a list specifically um for secret bloggers business and that's you know that's that's all your usual tricks it's the opt-in to a lead page to an email series kind of thing Mm. um although for me i didn't connect the final dot and have that email email series actually be a sales funnel it was just a opt-in here's an email series so you can find out who I am mm-hmm. warm you up a little bit and then uh I was doing kind of like launch models and that kind of but yeah, yeah. That's how I so, that, so that's been yeah <laughs> now, now I'm like I don't and it's the same thing and sort of I think everyone weirdly seems to go along that same path of oh this seems like a great idea and then you do it a few times and you're like oh gosh I can't do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how do I make this easier how do I make this give me a bit of a life but so that's,
0: yeah. that's yeah, that's so the point like, I'm at right now. Got to make some money, <laughs> got to make some money, then you make some money. Got to work less, got to work less, then you work yeah. less. Got to find something more fun, more passionate, and make money, and then it sort of all starts to congeal together. Um, but one thing we haven't really talked about is how on earth do you start a second business while still running Drop Dead Gorgeous in terms of setting up a new blog, setting up a new email list, setting up a new social media channels, creating a course? You know, writing all the messages in that sequence you just talked about doing a product launch, the whole new business. So how have you, yeah. <laughs> how have you managed this with the two? Cause I actually failed at running two blogs at the same time myself when I, at one stage I had two blogs and to make it work, I had to completely outsource one of the blogs, all the writers and the manager. It was a magazine yeah. blog and it existed independent of me. And then I sold it. Have you, done that is that how you're kind of managing the two businesses
1: yeah yeah so i've got um a couple of writers um like a va a designer and a copy editor who all you know freelancers um who basically run ddg for me um and i actually had to physically uh split my week and physically remove myself so i'm in the office two days a week because we're in one of the co-working spaces in Melbourne, um, so I'm in the office two days a week working on Dr. gorgeous daily stuff, and then I go and I work from and I work on Secret Bloggers business stuff, and they know don't email me if you need if anything's urgent comes up, send me a text message. Um, but I had to actually physically separate it because otherwise it, it was you know I was doing a little bit here, a little bit there, and just not being very productive. And I'm very much a um, and this is a. Pattern I've done entire life. I would do absolutely everything at the last minute if it's possible. Mm-hmm. So you know, for, for, ev- for all of the courses, I'm creating the content as you know, I'm building the plane as I fly it, or whatever as they like to say. So <laughs> right. um, and yeah, so now I'm in the process of all the courses have been created. I'm going through and sort of you know making them look a bit prettier and updating some, of the, adding in some extra bonus modules and that kind of thing. But it's been a very long to do list, but. um Luckily, I haven't had much else on this last 18 months, so it's been
0: okay. (laughs) Can can you maybe break down just a little bit of the chronology of that? So you decide, you know what, I'm going to do a teaching business. I'm going to market it to my my fashion audience and see who wants to take this course. But I'm assuming you didn't create the course first. So can you maybe go from idea generation and the first launch campaign and what you created? Because I know you're quite technical, so you've been doing... I'm assuming yeah. all the websites yourself, right? Writing yes. all, everything yourself for, for secret secret yeah. blogger's business.
1: Yes, yeah, yes, I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop doing that. Um, yeah, no, so I, so when I came up with, you know, what I thought was a bit of a crazy idea because I still had that, you know, no one, you I don't know that much kind of mentality. Um, and I thought initially that I just wanted to see if anyone would buy it So, I sat down and I mapped out what the, you know, the contents of the course, um, what, you know, what all the modules would be, um, you know, kind of just did like a paragraph for each. So, I knew what I was covering and, um, you know, how I was going to present it and then I wrote a a blog post and put a PayPal button in it and put that blog post on to Drop Dead Gorgeous Daily and it basically said, you know, I just... I was really honest I explained you know how I sort of got to this point and I was like you know I've been you know been a bit burnt out and you know it's like some months it's like trying to get blood out of a stone and I thought there must be better I was getting like quite stressed and then I had this idea and um you know I'd love to share what I have learned so maybe people don't make the same mistakes that I did or maybe they can get to where I got to just quicker and and, you know, it's going to be starting in a month's time and here's a PayPal button if you want to come and join me. And I had about 50, 50 people sign up in the first couple of days and I went, oh, How
0: much did okay. you
1: charge? <laughs> yeah, that worked. So um, then it, um, Kate? Uh, it was uh, 197 So it was so, quite, wow. I've upped the price a, little,
0: a few times since <laughs> Well, still, I mean, $200, PayPal button on a blog post, on a fashion blog, and you get 50 sign-ups. That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I was kind. I was yeah. I was in shock, and it. I think that it was quite addictive. Unfortunately, that well, not unfortunately. Um, that like this is so much better than selling advertising. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's my. That that's kind of how it started, and then so for the first couple of months while the course was actually running, um, I was. I, I was, th- I was always three weeks ahead. So it was never like the day before. Um, but I Excellent. was creating even before as we as
0: break was... that down. Okay. Got to interrupt. Cause oh, okay. So 50 people buy a course and you're, yeah. you've got nothing yet, right? You don't have a page. Exactly. <laughs>
1: so, I didn't even have a welcome email. Like it was
0: nothing. <laughs> so they gave you money and then they got nothing immediately afterwards. Right. It's a lot of faith there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so did you yeah. think, okay, How- membership area you know set up WordPress get a membership plugin did you have yeah. a, a customer relationship system what did you do in terms of technical things and going forward
1: uh yeah so that so my number one job was after I'd done after people started signing up was okay I, I need them to be able to go somewhere <laughs> basically once they've signed up so they realize that I'm just not taking their money and doing a runner um, so I yeah. created a um, I decided that it was better to create its own domain and have it all hosted separately too many plugins they don't play nicely together Um, so i set up a new um blog i used um one i found one of the the themes that have got um what is it page builder or something like that in there um but it's you know it's one of those nice drag and drop kind of things so
0: um
1: i thought i'd go with that because i wasn't quite sure what i needed yet so if something that was customizable was
0: like a a bonus theme or something like that
1: um, oh, it's one of the ones off um, Theme Forest. Okay. But, it, yeah, it, it basically it's got um, – it's a, a plug-in that's in the back end that pretty much any page you can set it up to look however you want, which is quite handy, um, especially with course stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so step number two was to create this site and I just put up a coming, like a coming soon banner basically. <laughs> and then for when people – and then I, you know – I started, you know, ironing out the kinks. So it wasn't just a, um, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't just a PayPal button. It was a proper button which was linked to a membership um, service. The one I'm using is um, MemberMouse. Um, and when, you know, when that payment went through, they arrived on a welcome page that explained a bit more about what was going to happen and when and that kind of thing. So it, that probably took, a, a, I don't know, about a day to get all that set up. Mm-hmm. And then once once that bit was set up, then I was, yeah, hurriedly in there trying to actually create the content because I thought that the content being really good and really valuable was probably the most important thing now that people didn't feel like I was a shyster running away with their money (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and then from from that so I've done everything backwards so once you know once the course is up and created then I was like oh okay I probably should start building my email list so then I sort of came up with some ideas for um different uh opt-in bribes and uh, then I discovered lead pages, which I'd never really played with before, and um, yeah, started learning about Facebook ads and all the, all of that kind of stuff, which is um, now you know just pretty pretty standard protocol. Um, and and yeah, and since then I've yeah. I actually, I don't know where I'm up to now. Sorry, is that, <laughs> well, does that make sense? <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm just even looking at your page now. You've got a, a sales website where you're selling ebook templates for bloggers as well, or is that am I? Correct, yeah
1: yep. So, yep, that's right.
0: So, you have really I branched think, out,
1: yeah. So, after I did the first course, um, and it's, it's, we've got a Facebook group, um, I, I use the royal we, it's only me, I don't know why I do that.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so,
1: um, yeah, I've got Facebook, and you know, just chatting to people in there and finding out, okay, well, what else do you need? Um, so a lot of them were saying, you know, they want so for a lot of them, they didn't have my uh not that I have a background in design I think it's just something that I've always been interested in and figured out so they that was like one of the barriers for them like this is why I won't do an ebook because it won't look pretty well it's going to cost me three thousand dollars to get a designer to do it so I was like well actually if that's not true I do most of mine in PowerPoint they're pretty simple and you can make them look good and yeah here's some templates so any and anyone can use these so that's why I've got those there and you know, people were asking about Instagram. They weren't sure how to get moving on Instagram, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll do this other thing. So, I've been very reactive. I think for months so I've um, created also like a beginner beginner vloggers course because there was a lot of people going in to the main course and freaking out. They had no idea what I was talking about because it was that sort of assuming that you know level of knowledge. um So, I've done like a beginners beginners one, and then I've done like a more advanced one. So, it's yeah i've covered all the bases so far
0: yeah okay wow so it's it's really turned into a, a fairly robust information marketing business now so you've got a magazine blog you've got an information teaching business and blog as well and that's kind of like how you split your time at the moment
1: yes yeah yeah and my i hope is that because now that the, the products are all there and i'm on a new product ban i'm not allowed to create any new courses or any new anything <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who, who's giving um, you this ban is that self-imposed myself it's yeah, self-imposed
1: okay. yeah. <laughs> um if I come up with an idea I write it down I'm allowed to look at it in like 12 months time um but yeah it's now it's the going through and fine-tuning everything and getting things like yeah actual sales funnels in process so that it's something that will yeah kind of be grow not grow on its own but something that's not going to take up quite so much like pushing an effort and something that I can just kind of keep rolling. So I can go bugger off and live in San Van for a few months or things like that. <laughs> I
0: have to say, I, I'm a fan of your design work and I was quite shocked to hear that it's all mostly you who, who's done it all. Like that's like me designing all my stuff. I wish I was that good. So you, you've got a skill there. But, um, <laughs> I, I, I should recommend for all the people listening in here to just see what Kate's doing. Obviously, your websites are dropdeadgorgeous.com. Uh, sorry, dropdeadgorgeousdaily. Daily.
1: Yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> all, <laughs> right,
0: drop, all one word, dropdeadgorgeousdaily.com. That's the fashion blog with the team behind it now. And then uh, <laughs> I'll get this right the first time, secretbloggersbusiness.com. And yeah. in particular, check out the blogging courses tab and you can see the different programs now that uh, Kate's running. And also, even like I said, the design is what's really grabbed me. I think there's a real, um, like a, an feel to what you've done, which I suspect is attracting obviously the people from a fashion blog. Cause like my stuff, if, if I presented, the way i present to your fashion audience they're probably going to go no this is not pretty enough this is not <laughs> sassy enough sassy is the word i think to use for your design style here it's very um you know gra- graphically heavy and sort of modern design. So I think, uh, yeah, it's a really good continuation. And you can see how you've taken a fashion blog and turned it into an information teaching business as well, taking the same audience, even though it's quite different subject matter. But there's some overlap there. So check it out. Um, Kate, we're almost at the end here. So we almost hit an hour. Um, Thank you for breaking all that down. That that's really interesting and, and great to get clarity. You're certainly a workhorse, though. I can see there's there's so much hate <laughs> in both these two businesses there. So, you know, that's amazing. That's
1: the next thing I have to work
0: on. <laughs> yeah, well, no doubt you'll you'll really get some benefit from that, considering how hard you've worked to, to have more people do other things, even even design work. Um, <laughs> what I'd love for your sort of final words here is for those people listening in now. Let's let's turn our attention to them. You have a lot of experience now with two different business models. Uh, I guess, like me, you went through magazine to information products and you've tasted both sides of the fence, so you kind of know the pros and cons. Um, it, if a person's listening to this and A, yes, they want to start a blog, but B, they're just not sure how to move forward now. What are you telling people today when they come to you right at the start uh, in a nutshell? you know are you you sort of guiding them towards one of these business models or you know what did you what's your step one for for a newbie
1: uh, oh step, step one for a newbie is to get their content right actually um, to figure out what it is that they have to say and what value that they can add um, but as far as monetization wise, what um, I normally recommend is that people actually want to have a minimum of three different ways that they're monetizing, um, especially if they're going down that magazine kind of path. And I would all and I definitely would recommend that if they're, um, you know, if, if they have, if they're, what they're blogging about, if the topic is something that they are a bit of an expert on or that they can really add value or that is a to my, um, just briefly, blah, briefly before about the pain points and things that you know if if what they're sort of sharing is something that can really help somebody then just sort of start I suppose planting the seeds and looking around at how they could possibly turn that into an information product but just because you go down the information product route doesn't mean that you you know can't do banners or you can't do something else like that you've just it's um I'm very much a okay figure out which one's going to be the low-hanging fruit which one's going to work best for you right now so whether whether that's banners or because you've got a lot of page views or whether you've got a really engaged audience so probably an e-product would work quite well pick that one thing figure it out and then once you've got that one working then go okay I'll go have a look at the next one and kind of layer it in because if you can get like a couple of different layers working all at once then that sort of gets rid of all the like the peaks and troughs of you know the online world and if tomorrow ad you know AdSense decides it doesn't pay more than one cent a view or something like that, then you you're you know you're fine. You've got this other thing to to lean on. So that's my that's my advice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Content first, monetization strategy next. And then yes. uh, then begin the hard work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> then say goodbye to all your friends and family. No, just kidding <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well I do like the fact that you demonstrate the 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 actually almost like a perfect example of it from working a full-time job and getting something going still with the hour in the morning and then and the nighttime and then transitioning to two days a week of a job and then using the rest of the time for your business and then eventually going full-time on your business. That that was a lovely, even though I'm sure it took a lot of time and it probably didn't feel that lovely at the time, but the, the <laughs> transition, that it's, that's kind of safe. That's about as safe as you can get, really, um, besides maybe the, the $10,000 loan. That might have been a bit, <laughs> bit risky, but you know, it, it's a good example of you can do this if you have a job is the point I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You've just got to carve out the time, whatever the time is going to be best for you. I'm a morning person, so arriving at work at 6.30 in the morning, that was fine with me. Um, Meant that I was in bed by 8.30 most nights, but that's all right too.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's the opposite of me. All right, uh, Kate, any final words before we say goodbye?
1: Uh, Oh, Final words, I suppose it's just if, if you're feeling like this is something that you want to do, don't don't not do it. Like it's, it's the scariest thing I ever did was hit publish on my first ever blog post. And it's been an amazing roller coaster ever since then, but I would be kicking myself so hard if I hadn't done it. And, um, yes, there's work, but it all pays off. So if, if you want to go, if you've got the entrepreneurial kind of spirit, you have to, you just have to do it. Otherwise you'll regret it. That's my final words.
0: <laughs> right on. Totally agree. Good final words. Kate, thank you. So, dropdeadgorgeousdaily.com and secretbloggersbusiness.com, two websites (laughs) to check out for Kate, Kate McKibben, who is uh, on every social media you can think of as well, given what you do. So, uh, thank you for spending the time sharing your story with me today.
1: Ah, My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Good luck with everything in the future. I'll keep an eye on it because I love looking at your your designs, actually. So, you've inspired me to Sort of get a bit more modern with my design as well. Not that I'll be doing it, but uh, I'd like to steal some of your ideas. Um, Kate, thank you. Thank you for uh, all the listeners. You guys know where to go. It's entrepreneurs-journey.com for my other podcasts and also the show notes to go with Kate's episode if you haven't got them already. And obviously the uh, transcript will be available there too. That's it for me, guys. I'll talk to you all very soon. All right, there you have it, the story with Kate McGibbon. I hope you found that informative, educational, and very inspiring as well. A quick reminder to join my podcast email list. You should go to interviewsclub.com right now then click the button to pop up the sign-up form and enter your email to join the Interviews Club email list. It's free and I'll send you my latest podcasts when they're first released as well as a series of my best podcasts from my archives, go to interviewsclub.com and that will redirect to my blog. I hope you enjoyed today's Entrepreneur's Journey podcast interview. My name is Jaros Tarek, and I'll see you online sometime very soon. Goodbye.